mermaid and the lion. Mermaid and the lion. We're gonna head on back. We shall sure be sorry we be free. free, free, free. Miss Celestia Avery, 75 years old, ex-slave, LaGrange, Georgia. Mrs. Avery is a small mulatto woman about five feet in height. She has a remarkably clear memory in view of the fact that she is about 75 years old. Before the interview began, she reminded the writer that the facts to be related were either told to her by her grandmother, Sylvia Heard, or were facts that she remembered herself. Mrs. Avery was born 75 years ago in Troop County, LaGrange, Georgia, the eighth oldest child of Lenora and Silas Heard. There were 10 other children besides herself. She and her family were owned by Mr. and Mrs. Peter Heard. In those days, the slaves carried the surname of their master. This accounted for all slaves having the same name, whether they were kin or not. The owner, Mr. Hurd, had a plantation of about 500 acres and was considered wealthy by all who knew him. Mrs. Avery was unable to give the exact number of slaves on the plantation, but knew he owned a large number. Corn, cotton, peas, potatoes were the main crops raised. The homes provided for the slaves were two-room log cabins which had one door and one window. These homes were not built in a group together, but were more or less scattered over the plantation. Slaves' homes were very simple and only contained a homemade table, chair, and bed, which were made of the same type of wood and could easily be cleaned by scouring with sand every Saturday. The beds were bottomed with rope, which was run backward and forward from one rail to the other. On this framework was placed a mattress of wheat straw. Each spring, the mattresses were emptied and refilled with fresh straw. Slaves were required to prepare their own meals three times a day. This was done in a big open fireplace, which was filled with hot coals. The master did not give them much variety of food, but allowed each family to raise their own vegetables. Each family was given a handout of bacon and meal on Saturdays. Through the week, corn ash cakes and meat which had been broiled in the hot coals was usually the diet found in each home. The diet did not vary even on Christmas, only a little fruit was added. Each family was provided a loom, and in Mrs. Avery's family, her grandmother, Sylvia Heard, did most of the cording and spinning of the thread into cloth. The most common cloth for women's clothes was homespun and calico. The same cloth was dyed and used to make men's shirts and pants. Dye was prepared by taking a berry known as the shoemaker berry and boiling them with walnut peelings. Spring and fall were the seasons for masters to give shoes and clothing to their slaves. Both men and women wore brogan shoes. The only difference was the piece on the side of the women's shoe. One woman was required to do the work around the house. There was also one slave man required to do the work around the house, doing odd jobs. Other than these two, Everyone else was required to do the heavy work in the fields. Work began at sun up and lasted until sundown. 
In the middle of the day, the big bell was rung to summon the workers from the field for their midday lunch. After work hours, slaves were then free to do work around their own cabins, such as sewing, cooking, etc. The interviewer continues with Mrs. Avery. Miss Celestia, why don't you tell me about some of the good times on the plantation? Well, once a week, Mr. Hurd allowed his slaves to have a frolic, and folks would get broke down from so much dancing to the fiddles. <laughs> At night, slaves would steal off from the Hurd plantation, go to LaGrange, Georgia, and sell chickens, which they had raised. Now, of course, the masters always required a record of everything raised by each slave, and it was not permissible for any slave to sell anything. Mm-hmm. Another form of entertainment was a quilting party. Mm-hmm. How did slaves come to own fiddles? <laughs> well, they bought them with the money they earned selling them chickens. <laughs> Your master, Mr. Hurd, was he a kind man? Maybe you can share a story to help me understand what he was like. Every morning, my grandmother would pray. An old man heard, despised to hear anyone pray, saying they were only doing so that they might be free niggers. Just as sure as the sun would rise, she would get a whipping. But this did not stop her prayers every morning before day. This particular time, Grandmother Sylvia was in family way. In that morning, she began to pray as usual. The master heard her and became so angry he came to her cabin, seized and pulled off her clothes from her body and tied her to a young sapling. He whipped her so brutally that her body was raw all over. Now when the darkness fell, her husband cut her down from the tree. Mm-hmm. During the day, he was afraid to go near. Rather than go back to the cabin, she crawled on her knees to the woods. And her husband brought grease for her to grease her raw body. For two weeks, the master hunted, but could not find her. However, when he finally did, she had given birth to twins. Only thing that saved her was the fact that she was a midwife, and she always carried a small penknife, which she used to cut the navel cord of the babies. After doing this, uh, she tore her petticoat into two pieces and wrapped each baby. How did Mr. Hurd behave when the war began? Well, Mr. Hurd, our master, went to the swamp, dug a hole, and hid his money. Then he and his wife left for town on their horses. See, my oldest brother, Percy, saw their hiding place. And when the Yanks came looking for that money, he carried them straight to the swamps and showed them where the money was hidden. Miss Avery, this is not exactly a question about slavery time, but I would like to know your thoughts on superstitions. I'd like you to share anything you know. Well, when you see a dog lay on his stomach and slide, it's a true sign of death. This is so true, because it happened to me. Years ago, when I lived on Pine Street, 
I was sitting on my steps and playing with my nine-month-old baby. A friend of mine came by and sat down. And as we sat there, a dog that followed, he began to slide on his stomach. It scared me. And I said to her, did you see that dog? Yes, I sure did. That night, my baby died, and it wasn't sick at all that day. That's the truth, and a sure sign of death. Another sign of death is to dream of a newborn baby. One night, not so long ago, I dreamt about a newborn baby. And you know I went to the door and called Miss Neri next door and told her I dreamed about a newborn baby. And she said, child, that's a sure sign of death. The same week that guy's baby over there died. Didn't surprise me when I heard it, because I knowed somebody around here was going to die. Listen, child, if ever you clean your bed, don't you never sweep off your springs with a broom. Always wipe them with a rag or use a brush. Just as sure as you do, you see them experience death around you. I took my bed down and swept off my springs, see? And I just happened to tell old Miss Smith. And she jumped up and she said, Child, you ought not have done that because it's so a sign of death. Well, sure enough, the same night I lost another child that was eight years old. The child had heart trouble, I think. I'm sorry for your losses. Any chances for us or things that we can do to be lucky? Well, let's see. I believe you can change your luck by throwing a teaspoonful of sofa in the fire exactly 12 o'clock in the day. Mm-hmm. I know last week I was sitting here without a bit of fire, but I wasn't thinking about doing that till a thought came by and told me to scrape up a stick fire and put a spoonful of sofa on it. And sure enough, an hour's time, a cold man came by and gave me a tub of coal. Long time ago, I used to work for some white woman, and every day at 12 o'clock, I was told to put a teaspoonful of sofa in the fire. Another thing, I sure ain't gonna let a woman come in my house on Monday morning, lest a man done came in there first. No siree. If it seemed like one ain't coming soon, I'll call one of the boy chillings, just so it's a male. The reason for this is because women is bad luck. Interesting. What about good luck charms? Well, black cat bone is taken from the cat. First, the cat is killed and boiled, after which the meat is scraped from the bone. The bones are then taken to the creek and thrown in. The bone that goes upstream is the lucky bone and is the one that should be kept. There's a boy in this neighborhood that sells liquor, and I know they done locked him up 10 or 12 times, but he always get out. They say he carries a black cat bone. The devil's shoestring looks just like a fern with a lot of roots. My mother used to grow them in the corner of our garden. They're lucky. Thank you for listening to Mind of a Slave. We hope you have been enjoying the series. Miss Celestia Avery was played by Ebony Ellington, and the interviewer was played by Pam, the voice artist. 
please take the time, if you can, to buy us a coffee so we can bring you more episodes than the eight that are already planned. We also hope that you will follow us on Instagram at Mind of a Slave so that you can keep up to date with everything that's going on or sign up for our text messages, which is available to you in the show notes. We hope you continue to support this series by telling everyone you know, leave us a five-star review and also write a stellar rating. We appreciate your time and thank you so much for your support. We will catch you on the next episode.